The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We come to you every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. in beautiful, wonderful Southern California. Unfortunately, Southern California is kind of on fire this this uh, particular week, and so we'd ask for your prayers because it's tough out there. But it is still beautiful in Southern California. Hey, we really appreciate everyone who follows us, who uh, shares this show. This show is broadcast down to over 100 countries around the world. And we do this because we want to educate especially first responders, people who are on the front lines that can combat human trafficking in all kinds of forms and fashions. And one of the things that um, I just recently did a radio show called Scope and Scale, and one of the things we've talked about is just how big these cases are getting and how they often go outside your own geographic area. So because of that, we make all of these shows and we archive them on exploitedcrimes.com. And we especially want to encourage you to go to exploitedcrimes.com, access those archive shows. There's over 50 hours of free human trafficking training there. And hear those, put them on your iPad, your iPhone, uh, download them on, on your devices, or just listen to them when you're doing the dishes, but educate yourself on them. They're all identified by subject. Now, if you want to call in to this show, and we understand that most people that listen to the show, and by the way, we're up to over 12,000 regular listeners now, and we really, really appreciate you. I get the numbers. I see where you're calling from, but many of you also email me at opal at million kids and tell me who you are and, and how you're fighting human trafficking. But if you should want to call into the show, you can do that by calling in to 1-866-472-5788. And I'll announce that again in a break. Well, we are really excited today because we're going to have a friend of mine on the show as someone who is an expert in a very difficult subject. Her name is Samantha Eitner. Samantha, are you out there? You want to say hello? I am here. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on today, Opal. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Samantha just does the Lord's work, in my opinion. Uh, She works at the Orange County Rescue Mission. And I spoke at her church not too long ago, and we were talking about the work that she does. And I said, can you come on my show and just kind (laughs) of give some insights about how all this works? Now, I go out and, and train all kinds of organizations, and from time to time, I train groups that combat homelessness. And I will tell you that I believe that any homeless woman is an exploited woman. And I, I say that because I worked with a uh, survivor of sex trafficking a while back, and it just tugged at my heart because one of the things she told me is that 
she did not know that the first day that she became homeless, nobody told her that a homeless woman can't sleep at night. And she went to sleep on a park bench and ended up being raped. And um, it just bored in on my heart as she told me her story. So one of the reasons I wanted to have Samantha on here is to kind of share with the world, first of all, what it's like, what is driving this kind of homeless uh, kind of epidemic that we're seeing across America, and especially in L.A. I believe L.A. is the highest number of homeless people now uh, in the United States. What's behind it? And also, what can we do about it? So before we get started here, Samantha, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your background and how you ended up working at the Orange County Rescue Mission. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a little bit of background. I did receive my bachelor's of psychology in uh, at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Um, from there, I actually was deciding I was going to be a uh, police officer. I thought that that was the best way to help. Um, I kind of realized through um, through working with a few different nonprofits, um, I kind of didn't want to necessarily catch the bad guys, but I wanted to assist those who um, were either caught up in a dangerous situation or, or victimized in some way, shape, or form. So that kind of switched me over to social work. I got involved with the Orange County Rescue Mission. A, a friend of a friend was, was actually a case manager here, and she just kind of took me under her wing one one night I came I, w- I wasn't even working here yet and she really showed me the entire program here showed me um, what just a, a little bit of insight into what the um, the men and the women that we have here on site go through on a daily basis but also the their past issues that they are healing from and and uh, learning to accept and move forward instead of getting caught in the same cycle over and over again which we do see a lot of okay. getting caught in this homeless cycle Okay, let me stop you here a minute. I want to back that way up. Uh, you covered a lot of territory there. I want to back <laughs> that up a little bit. Um, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, Samantha and I are in different cities, so I'll be guiding along here. But one of the first things you said that I think is very, very important is you had decided to become a law enforcement officer, but along the path, you went out and explored different organizations, different missions, different uh, areas where you educated yourself and got involved. And, and I think that's an important point because I have people come up to me all the time going, oh, this is just so awful. What do I do? And my first right. question is, well, what do you want to do? Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, how do you see this? Because, uh, you know, I can't direct you. You have to You have to be the person that sorts this out. So I'm, I'm very proud of your path of kind of exploring other avenues to kind of direct yourself on what you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. There's, we are all, um, we all have different strengths and we all have different weaknesses. And so it's just a matter of finding, we can't fit a square into a circle. Uh, uh, you know <laughs> what I mean? So sure. we, I didn't try to, I tried to seek out what was best fit for me um, and what obviously that I can grow into becoming, but this was just a great, it was just the best fit. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, so then you got to the rescue mission, and someone kind of gave you the background of it. What was your first reaction to it? Um, my first reaction to the Orange County Rescue Mission was just kind of an 
awe. There was there was two things. One, I, I um, you walk on this campus and it is you just feel it's very blessed. Um, the from top down, they do a very intentional job of making sure that. Um, the, the individuals here are felt at home. Now, that, that feeling at home is a process, especially from somebody who probably ran away from a lot of homes or um, just never even really felt like they could call someplace at home. So they do a very intentional job of, of allowing um, a safe place to do that and to feel safe. Um, okay, so and then, let me ask about that. You said it's a mm-hmm. campus, the Orange County. It, I have never been there. It is a campus. We have it's about a 260 bed. Um, it actually used to wow. be an old military military base. So we um, renovated all of the barracks into into kind of apartment style living, and we have community kitchens and uh, we have a community cafeteria, kind of community everything else except for kind of in the bed in the rooms a bed and um, and the restroom. So no, it's, uh, wait it's a very community oriented. How is this funded? Is this a county organization? Does the state provide? Uh, is it nonprofit only uh, by donation? How that is? I mean, when I work with the homeless uh, here, I mean, they're working out of an old here in Riverside County. They're working mm. out of an old uh, warehouse, and nobody's staying there, and they're they're basically mm. handing out food and supplies. And so, uh, I'm fascinated by that. Is this how's this funded? It is all privately funded, so we are we don't receive any state funding. Um, we are a private nonprofit, completely donated uh, donations by the the everyday person that that gets a thing in the mail, and all the way up to just different donor relations that we have with organizations around um, Orange County that want to support us. So we are completely privately funded. Wow, you must have one heck of a fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. Those donor relations people are just incredible. Wow, so you have how many beds now? And and tell me how this is laid out because is this like one group for families, one for men, one for women? How does that work? And then what happens to the pets, which is a big deal with homeless? Yes. So we have a we have a 262 bed occupancy. There are two buildings on our on our campus, and then a third. You, you mentioned the veterans. We call it the Tustin Veterans Outpost, which is in a separate location, but only about two miles away, um, and that's specifically for veterans. So here at the main campus, two buildings: one for single women and single women with children, and one for single men and then families. So that could be um, a husband and a wife, a husband and a wife with children, um, anything like that. So they are separated by two buildings and then multiple floors. And um, and then the Test and Veterans Outpost has all single women, single men, um, single women with children and families all located over at the Test and Veterans Outpost, which is more apartment style um, building over there. Okay, so why do you call it Tested Veterans? Oh, Tustin Veterans Outpost. That's the location. That's the actual city that we're in. Oh, you're saying Tustin. Okay. Yes, I, yeah. we, <laughs> okay, we need to make this very clear because there's people in Spain listening to this and they won't know what we're talking about. Yes. So uh, this is te- this is Tustin. That is a town in uh, Orange County that she's talking about. Uh, I thought she was saying tested. And I'm like, tested for what? Oh, you know? <laughs> for what? Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, so this is fascinating. Now, do you have security guards with each one? I mean, uh, anytime you put together uh, people that don't know each other in a housing facility, uh, you have to protect them. So how does that work? Absolutely. So we are a closed campus. We are not a completely 
secure campus as um, as we do not have 24/7 security. We do have 24/7 reception that does it, that is there for any issues that come about, and we do close literally lock down um, at curfew time. So there's a lot of there's also case management that gets gets involved, and then Monday through Friday we do have the security team, and then 360 or um, 24/7 we have the security team um, just a phone call away if there are any issues that come up, whether it be somebody who's having an issue on site or somebody trying to come in who's not really supposed to. So we don't um, we don't tend to have that as much as uh, well, not as much as we would like. We love having it, not as much as we would like. Um, so we're, we're a pretty safe and secure location. Interesting. Well, I'm going to tell you, I am very blown away by this. I wasn't expecting this at all because I'm comparing it to what we have out here in Riverside County, and there's no mm. comparison. You know, so we are. Uh, this first segment's already gone so really, really fast. We're up against a hard break here. Um, I want to ask people to stay with us. We appreciate you listening to our show, and we'd ask you to share this show with everyone you know um, and uh, forward this. And be sure and contact us and let us know who you are. We're up against that break, folks, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. 
Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We so much appreciate each and every one of you that follow us, that listen to the archive shows, that share these. Some of you actually have embed codes. I don't know if you know this, but you can actually get a embed code. There's no cost for it. You just contact me at Opal at Me and Kids. And that means that you can put this show along with all the archived information on your website absolutely free. It is my desire to educate the entire world on human trafficking and do it absolutely free. And we are only able to do that due to the fine donations of all you folks out there that send money to million kids. If you can't tell, it's interesting because um, I have a nonprofit that I can't pronounce. Most people think I'm saying me and kids, but this is brought to you by Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. Million Kids, we're not one million kids, we're not a million kids. We are simply millionkids.org, and that is because... There are more than a million kids that are trafficked each year throughout the world. We'd encourage you to look us up on our uh, website. Follow us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, find Million Kids, and hit like. We post new cases of human trafficking every two to three hours, and we have a brand new case this week that I'm trying to get all the latest details on so I can announce it on this show, and I'll keep you posted. Well, we are talking to Samantha Eitner, and she is with the Orange County, that would be Orange Orange County, California, Rescue Mission, and uh, I am blown away by what's over there. I have to go down and see this. She's telling You're me there's to anytime. <laughs> they're telling me there's 260 beds now. I work out here in Riverside County. We work out of an abandoned warehouse out there, and we basically we have very little housing uh, going on and nothing that big. And so I'm just so impressed. Well, Samantha, on this section of the of the show, I want to talk about why are people homeless? I mean, we see these people out begging. We don't know whether to give them money, not give them money. Mm. We don't know if they're mentally ill. We don't know if they're drunk or high. Mm. Uh, and, you know, or if we should be supporting them or if there's some place for them to go. So help us understand this phenomena of homelessness in our area. Yeah, so the the individuals that come seeking help here at the Orange County Rescue Mission kind of fit into three main categories um, for for the reason why that they are seeking our assistance, the reason that they're homeless. Um, One being addiction. Uh, A lot of the individuals, a lot of our clients that come in do struggle with uh, addiction. And oftentimes um, they are also struggling with one of the other two as well, which are domestic violence and economic uh, downfall or just a lack of work kind of. They can be going through all three or they can be struggling with just one, whether they come directly from an abusive situation um, through a domestic violence relationship, whether the police were involved or not. And then that last one being just a lack of work. We've, we also have found a lot of individuals who um, got laid off. There was no two-week notice. There was no savings that was kept. So it, it actually ended up them being on the streets as a result of it. Wow, that's amazing. Now, what portion of them would you say have a mental uh, health issue? Hmm. Um, it's actually interesting. When somebody comes directly from the streets, there's also a lot of situational mental health, so r- rather than permanent diagnosable mental health. So uh, if I could guess, probably seven, seven to eight out of ten individuals that come in um, do struggle with some sort of situational or diagnosable uh, mental health disorder. 
That's interesting. I've never heard the term until you just said that, situational mental health. But of course, you know, I I think about that because we work with sex trafficking victims. And, Mm. you know, these are people who are normally okay. But by the time they've been beaten and groomed and, you know, uh, violated and broken and like that. Exactly. I never, I never thought about it, but it is in fact situational mental health. And I think, I think there's a bias out there. I'm very guilty of it. I'm it right here that we look at mental health as being a permanent kind of, you know, they're schizophrenic or, or, mm-hmm. you know, bipolar or something like that. But you're, mm-hmm. you're saying that a lot of these people have situational mental health that could be reversed if we can get them stabilized. Yes, absolutely. Stabilization, having just a safe place, a, a structure, although um, a lot of the individuals are so used to chaos and so used to just um, having to be on ha- those survival skills that they learn to um, to survive on the outside. They they come in and, and they continue to do those things. And eventually once through stabilization and through having three meals a day and a little bit of rules and structure, through that they really open up and even out in a lot of different ways, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. Wow. So now is this something where, for instance, licensed marriage family therapists that are trained could volunteer some extra time uh, or, or do they take that? Absolutely. So we actually are so lucky enough to have a clinic on site as well. We have a, a, a health clinic on site, and they provide us with any um, licensed clinical social workers, psychiatrists, and everything like that. But if they're, if you're, you have a heart to just volunteer with some of these individuals, we would absolutely appreciate that. We have, as I said earlier, we are donor um we are donor-led, and so that means that sometimes you you may not have the money, but maybe you want to give some of your services, and we, we love having those kinds of things come along as well. Wow. Now, uh, is some of this just because people are in isolation, uh, mental and social isolation? Yes. Um, that's what I've seen, actually. One of the reasons that the situational depression or situational anxiety becomes worsened is because they those survival skills tell them trust no one outside of yourself, um, not even sometimes your spouse or the person that you're living with. Um, so isolation is huge. They're, they've been trained not to rely on other people. They've been trained not to uh, trust someone else due to them being burned in the past, them being um, stolen from or, or taken advantage of. Uh, you, you said a story earlier about a woman being raped, things like that are very common. So it, isolation is key. And, and that's one of the biggest things they struggle with here at the mission when they first come is being okay with trusting other people, whether it's case management or whether it's their fellow clients. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have CSEC specialists, by the way, that stands for commercial sexual or ex- exploitation of children or, or adults, but do you have uh, sex trafficking trained people down there? We, uh, as a case management team and as an LCSW team, which are which are clinical social workers, we ha- we are not officially trained. However, we are leading the cause here and now to be trained through our local organizations here and also through you. Honestly, I've I've been able to learn so much just online, finding uh, and being trained online. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, they can all access that exploitedcrimes.com. But, you know, mm. I'd be glad to come down and, uh, and assist that way also. So, you know, what percentage of the people do you, well, I don't know if you can give it a number, but my my vis- visualization of this, and I am totally as naive as all the other listeners or most of the other listeners, some of them probably more smart than me on this, <laughs> but you see people out there begging, and uh, are they there because they don't want to go to a shelter? Are they there because they're mentally ill? Or do they not know about a shelter? Uh, and how does the public respond to that? So oftentimes, um, it's it's a mixture of both or, or a another kind of, there's addiction involved, there's freedom. Um, I know that this sounds interesting, but when I, I previously did, I was the outreach coordinator here, so I was going down to um, homeless encampments and, and just walking through, giving them what we had, and then starting up conversations and relationships. And they have a sense of freedom, although it may not be um, as free or as glamorous as we would like for our own lives, um, they do have a sense of freedom. So going, submitting oneself to go into a program to listen to rules and regulations and having structure isn't necessarily what they've lived on, and it's not necessarily what they want to go to. Um, they don't see the, the end benefit simply because they've never had, um, they might never have had that, that benefit of being self-sufficient fully and not having to struggle with money, not having to struggle with um, medications and, and up and down and, and this and there. So uh, mental illness or addiction has always keeps some, some individuals on the street. Also just a lack of resources or a lack of knowing what those resources are. So if, a, if an individual were to come to the Orange County Rescue Mission intake team and we just weren't a fit for them, whether they didn't want this much structure or they just kind of wanted a temporary thing, we do make sure to give everyone that comes in a resource guide, and we've combed through that. We've looked through all the resources here in Orange County to provide that for them, phone numbers, explanation of, of just local organizations that can also assist them. So sometimes it's just a lack of knowing what those options are for themselves. Now, just out of curiosity, this may seem trivial to people, you know, in Spain, or I'm picking on Spain today, but, uh, (laughs) you know, France or Cambodia that are listening to this, many homeless people here in America pick up stray animals, and they become absolutely attached to those animals because of the fact that, in many cases, it's the only friend they have, and they can, Mm -hmm. you know, find a safe place to feel like they have family and they have somewhere to express themselves. Do you all bring in their pets when they come there, or what, what happens there? We, we unfortunately do not bring in um, any animals. They can't be on site here just due to safety with children being on site as well, and we don't have the, the capacity or the place to put them. So what happens is we there are very few. There are a lot fewer, but we do have a few resources. Actually, out your way in San Bernardino, there's one that will take in um, a homeless individual's pet while they're going through a program or something like that. So we do try to fit both, and I know it's incredibly difficult for them to part with those animals, as you said, it's it's a sense of family, and that's what they're desperately seeking. Um, so it's it's very that di- that separation is very difficult for them. Yeah, in many cases, it's all they have. Mm-hmm. Is there a on um, one other thing that I, I had thought about is is there an effort to reunite these people with their families? Absolutely. So at least with the Orange County Rescue Mission, family is is. Uh, one of the main topics that I go through with my clients because I think it is so so important whether it was uh, a healthy 
a family that they walked away from or an unhealthy family that there was just so much damage and chaos that they needed it was best for them to leave. Um, and we really dictate whether it is safe to go back and, and we work through boundaries and what are the expectations and what is a, what is a healthy place to depend on them again. Um, but family is incredibly important because because once again, that's through the, what we were discussing, the isolation, that well, as soon as they leave wherever they felt safe, they are constantly seeking a family. Um, mm-hmm. They are constantly seeking acceptance and affirmation in, in these individuals. And oftentimes um, on the streets, it's not a healthy or safe place to do it, but that, but that doesn't stop, stop, stop somebody from doing it. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're already up against that break, folks, so we're going to ask you to stay with us. Uh, we're going to Have a commercial time, and we'll be right back. Thanks. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. 
That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking to Samantha Eitner, and she is with the Orange County Rescue Mission. That is Orange County, California. And before we get into that, we have some breaking news. I've been wanting to announce this all day. Uh, as many of you know, Million Kids is the training and outreach coordinator for the Riverside County Anti-Human Ta- Trafficking Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. That's a big word to say. These are just amazing men and women. There are seven of them, and then they have six more people on loan. We have a huge amount of human trafficking in Riverside County, Southern California. We are located about 60 miles east of L.A., and uh, I'm their training and outreach coordinator, and so they have just announced a brand new case that came out in the last two days, and I wanted to be able to share it with you. The headline says, three accused of pimping 15-year-old girl, and uh, so if you want to Google that and, and print that out yourself, you can see this article, three accused of pimping 15-year-old girl is the headline. And what it says is three Northern California residents are accused of pimping a 15-year-old Fresno area runaway girl. She was uh, arrested, they were all arrested, at a Riverside motel by undercover police officers, according to my my sergeant, which is Sergeant John Sawyer. It says over a four-week time span, as many as 22 separate advertisements depicting the child were located in the counties of Fresno, Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, and Riverside County, according to Sergeant John Sawyer. So what we are seeing here is you have three people who are working together to sell a minor into acts of commercial sex, and they have moved her from Fresno, L.A., Orange County, San Diego, and Riverside County. So what happened here is one of our teams acted as a John and replied to one of the online ads on Tuesday, and they were led to a motel down on South Magnolia Avenue in Riverside. Now, this is a joint effort of the Riverside Police Department and this task force. The victim had been missing for more than a month, and she was taken into protective custody, and the three uh, adults have been arrested. One of the things that came out here is they're being booked on suspicion of human trafficking of a minor, pimping of a minor, possession of a loaded concealable firearm with obliterated serial numbers. And so what you're seeing here is you have two women and a man who were uh, literally advertising this girl for commercial sex. When they went undercover and rescued the girls, one of them had a handgun So this is serious business that they're doing here, and they're looking at very long sentences. So this is just an arrest. It just happened in the last 24 hours. We will be broadcasting that out by e-blast so that you can see a copy of it. It is a, a serious situation, and I totally, totally appreciate the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force, that they're willing to put in the time and the effort and put their lives on the line to go against people who carry firearms who are willing to literally sell a minor into sex slavery. So 
I'm grateful for that. We're talking to Samantha Eichner now. She is with the Orange County Rescue Mission. And I'm just proud to know her. She's a young girl who, younger than me anyway, that makes everybody young Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway. But she is a young girl who's gotten her degree. She prepared herself. She wanted a career and a career in helping others. And she has waded into, first of all, what sounds like an amazing organization uh, that is much more organized and provides more services than most. And she is dealing with helping rehabilitate the homeless. So one of the things I want to talk about, uh, Samantha, is that you're very fortunate to have a facility like that. But what do you see in helping homeless? You take a, an organization like um, Riverside County. I, I went down and I volunteer and trained all of our people that help our homeless The guy that leads it is a friend of mine, and he told me, he said, when I first got into this, I put an S on my, he said, I put my big cape on with the big S, you know, (laughs) like Superman, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And he said, I I went in, and I'm going to save the world. And he said, now that I've been in it two years, he said, if we can save one or two families a week, we celebrate. And so what can others do to help homeless Absolutely, and and one of the things um, that's very common is to when we're going out, whether it's in ministry at church or just a local nonprofit that you're trying to volunteer with, is is to kind of strip that and kind of strip that. Superman mentality because um, one is enough. Uh, you know, two is enough. Two in a year is enough because that means that somebody who asked for help received it. Um, so one of one of the common things and anything that you do out going out to seek is stay in relationship with the people that you're interacting with. Uh, we mentioned earlier that isolation is a huge problem, um, and, it, and it encourages this mentality of staying out out on the streets, staying outside of society, being on your own, and and it just perpetuates that cycle. So one of the best things you can do is stay in relationship with them. There was, there, it's common for people on the side of the road to be asking for money, um, and my kind of alternative to that is if I feel comfortable, I would welcome them into going into a McDonald's and having a meal with them. That that gets them some interaction, and maybe they, they'll say no, and maybe they'll say yes, but at the very least, you can always ask them, what would you like from the, the local you know, fast food or the closest fast food around, and you can go get it for them and bring it back. So you know that you're actually, um, you're still assisting them in, in getting a meal for the day, but you may not be providing them um, with what some people would, you know, consider drug money or or anything like that. Yeah, I always, uh, when, one of the things that I know that happens in trafficking is that they have pimps who go out and they literally traffic the women especially and put mm. them into forced begging. And I often train law enforcement on that very subject. We have some open cases out here in Riverside where they had 50-year-old women. They were being controlled by gang members. And uh, they had a quota, and every time that they got the money, then they would come along, rough them up, and Mm -hmm. put them back out there. And if they didn't collect enough money, they didn't get to eat. So Mm -hmm. I always, you know, I'm always concerned when you see so many of these people, they look drugged. Uh, I worry about, I mean, I had a guy that I helped a lot out in, uh, when I lived out towards Beaumont. And, uh, you know, first of all, I always worried about lice, getting lice, but because uh, mm. he always wanted to, like, give me a little hug, you know. But, uh, you know, but in his case, uh, we would always get him food. 
uh, and warm clothes and uh, some things from Walmart. He, he obviously was such a, an alcoholic that he wasn't going to go into a shelter. Now, right. ultimately, I heard that he actually froze to death under a bridge mm. out there. Uh, and I had moved away, and I, I just how sad that is. But, yeah. uh, you know, what uh, I'm always hesitant to actually just hand them money because, first of all, I worry that it's going to go uh, to someone who's already exploiting them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and whether it's they're being controlled by somebody else or, or it's for their own, um, filling their own needs with, you know, drugs or alcohol, it's, it's more important, um, even in either one of those situations, to build a rapport. And if that just means getting their name the first time that you see them, oftentimes they'll, they'll have places where they stick to. So if you see somebody every day coming home, see, see if they'll give, if, give you your name and just really start building that rapport, building that trust. Um, they might not think anything of it at first, but it's a small and very impactful way in the end. Mm-hmm. How about the women that are out there? I mean, my heart bleeds when I see mm. any woman out there on the street. Now, I know men get violated also, but mm. you see these women, and uh, in many cases, some of them are mentally ill. Can they? Is there a place they can go, or do they have to like get get sober first? There is a situation where um, there's there's multiple organizations, whether it's rehabs or our our transitional housing program here, um, that that could be a fit for them. We there are also detoxes if they are willing and wanting to get sober in that regard. But regardless of any of that, there is a lot of abuse that happens um, while on the streets simply because there's who who's gonna who's gonna um, report it, who is going to come, and uh, from a police officer perspective they're they don't even have a house to come to whether you know so these women are definitely underrepresented um, and just simply don't have a voice in in their own head let alone in the society that they live in mm-hmm. so churches and um, people who you know I, I get a lot of people who want to volunteer but they don't know what they want to do what they can do is come down and just take on maybe a three-hour volunteer stint, uh, maybe a couple of days, and see if this is for them, or do you have to go through an intense training period before you actually interact? Not with the Orange County Rescue Mission. Our volunteers um, are, are running pretty quick. The, the only screening that we do have is a background check just for safety. Um, oh, yeah. But they can... Yeah. They can do anything from serving meals, um, preparing and serving meals to our, our clients here on site, to even doing what I used to do and outreaching with with our outreach, our current outreach coordinator. And they consistently go to these uh, homeless encampments, whether they're new, um, whether they're they're kind of bursting with with population, which we've seen a lot of recently in Orange County. Um, they go out, they hand out hygiene kits or water, and and once again, it's just a it's just that one thing that can get them to start talking. It's that one thing that can get them to say, hey, how is it going today? Last week you were dealing with this, and what can we be praying for you this week? It's just, it's not necessarily, although we're providing them with physical needs, we are intentional about providing them with emotional needs as well. Um, so they, so anybody who's interested is welcome to come and connect with our volunteer coordinators here on site. And, and there's tons of things, like I said, from serving um, food to serving in our child care so that our, our clients can go be going to chapel and groups on site throughout the week. 
Wow, chapel, I mean, uh, child care. You never even think that you need that. Well, we're already up against a hard break here. This thing is going very, very quick. We are talking to Samantha Eitner with the Rivers, or excuse me, with the Orange County Rescue Mission. This show is called Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. My name is Opal Singleton, and if you'll stay with us, we'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to exploited crimes against humanity if you have a question or comment please send an email to opal at millionkids.org that's o-p-a-l at millionkids.org now back to exploited crimes against humanity here again is opal singleton Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This show is dedicated to eradicating human exploitation around the globe. And today we are kind of going off in an area that we've never really done a show on, and that is homelessness and, you know, all the impact when a man, woman, or child is homeless, and especially the issues related to sexual exploitation of a homeless person. We have as our guest today, Samantha Eitner, and she is with the Orange County Rescue Mission. And um, Samantha and I were just talking about ways that you as an individual can get involved in your own cities. If you are in LA or Southern California, Orange County area, uh, certainly you can volunteer with the Orange County Rescue Mission. If you're off in uh, Minneapolis somewhere and a long ways away, take a look at your own city or your town and the resources they have and uh, contact uh, Samantha if you want to, even to get some ideas. They they are amazingly organized. Uh, Samantha, before I go any further, how would someone reach you by email? What is your email address? Absolutely. It'll be Samantha Eitner, S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-E-I-T-N-E-R at gmail.com. You're welcome to contact me with any questions of any sort. 
Okay, and you might look up the Orange County Rescue Mission through Google, and we will have this in our promotion on our Facebook page uh, at millionkids.org. Now, Samantha and I were just talking about issues where you can get involved, and one of the things she was saying is to come down and volunteer to do child care so the parent can go off to the classes for for recovery. And it, it just occurred to me, I mean, you don't think about the children that are involved with a homeless mm. mother. And uh, that's so important to me because we get family trafficking, by the way. You get a, mm. a meth-addicted mother who will often yes. traffic their daughter, especially in order to be able to raise money. So if they can get them into a rescue mission where they can get child care, it'd be very, very helpful. And it didn't occur to me until she said that, what happens with the children of homeless women or homeless men? They're even more isolated than the, the homeless adults as well, because simply because of child protective, the fear of child protective services coming in. Um, so oftentimes they are living with any family member that they can, um, and, and sometimes we do see situations where they're on the streets, they're living in the tents. Um, you see it a lot less often simply because there, there's a constant fear of child protective services coming in, but there's been situations when I was an outreach coordinator, there was a baby that was just born, um, and it was just, it was just heartbreaking because there's, there's not the um, things, the everyday things that we take for granted, whether it's three meals a day or proper prenatal care before, you know, the, for, the, for the pregnant mother and now the aftercare for the, um, for the new baby and the new mom. So it's just, it can be heartbreaking um, and unseen a lot of times. Wow. That is amazing. You don't think about all the impact. You just take your life for granted each day. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, some, it's real easy to just look over this population as you're driving by. And uh, I, I would really encourage you to get involved, the people that are listening. Take a look in your community because I can guarantee you that a homeless woman is an exploited woman. And uh, Samantha, I'm just so really, really proud of you for taking this on. It, it must be days, there must be days that this is overwhelming. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think all social workers struggle with what's, you know, what is our ultimate goal? And it's constantly a reminder of um, my goal is not perfection, but my goal is growth. You know, we are always in a, in progress. I like to say everybody in life is in progress. And so when we begin to accept and, and expect that the goal may not be um, perfection or um, success in the ways that we might define it originally, but it's in the small baby steps, the the million baby steps that take somebody to get from being um, on the streets, on welfare, whatever that may be, in addiction or in a domestic violence relationship, all the way to self-sufficiency where they can finally have their own place for the very first time. They can call something their own where they are um, are providing adequately for their own children, whether um, they receive them back from the foster care system or from a family member member or um or another situation like that. So it's a, it's an incredible process that takes a lot of empowerment um, to these students or to these clients and to these homeless individuals. But let me tell you, it's it's an absolute treat because they they also teach us so much and they encourage um, they encourage my myself and my coworkers I know to just be doing better each and every day and, and seeking more success, more growth, more um, self-sufficiency each and every day. 
So, Samantha, let's give them your email address again in case somebody wants to contact you and get some ideas about helping the homeless. That's Samantha, S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A, and her last name is Eitner. Uh, You want to spell that so I don't mess it up? (laughs) Absolutely. E-I-T as in Taylor, N as in Nicholas, E-R at Gmail. Okay, so Samantha Eitner, E-I-T-N-E-R, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Well, this show is brought to you by Million Kids, and we really appreciate each and every one of you listening to us. Uh, we have a couple more minutes yet, uh, Samantha. One, one thing I couldn't help but wonder, and I'm probably opening Pandora's box right at the end of the show here, but um, when people are ready to go out and be independent, is there a program to transfer them to independence? And do they take donations of, for instance, dishes, furniture, that kind of thing, to get them started? Absolutely. So part of our program, there's a few different phases that all of our clients go through, but the final phase we like to call the back-to-work phase. So they're actually still, um, they've worked through their program, and then they get to go through a job workshop where they are trained, maybe trained for the first time or retrained on how to um, do an interview, how to dress, kind of what words to say or what words to stay away from to, to, to receive a job, first and foremost, and then to keep a job. So that is our final phase here here on site. And then that's also the phase where they will be um, getting involved with budgeting or independent living and, and really self-sufficiency in other ways that maybe we, we don't think of as, as super practical. But that can all be done here on site. They, they get a job, they're back to work, they're figuring out what, what co- new, work, new co-workers or working under a new work supervisor looks like. And then they can actually be saving so that they never have to be in that situation again. They can have a savings um, when they go out that even if they do lose their job in the first few months, they have that that emergency fund that doesn't put them directly back in the same situation that they came here with. So that can be done here on site. Um, There's also a lot of low income. There's a little bit of research that goes involved with it, but there's a low income um, there's lots of low-income apartments around Orange County, and we actually have a few of them that are run by the Orange County Rescue Mission as well. Wow, that's amazing. Well, we're right to the end of this show, and it has been my pleasure, Samantha, to have you on the air. Uh, this has really been informative, and I hope that it really motivates many of our listeners to get involved and help the homeless. You know, if you want to stop trafficking, one of the ways to do it is to help, especially women that are out there that are vulnerable, that are being exploited. This show is brought to you by Me and Kids. That is M-I-L-L-I-O-N, meandkids.org. We'd encourage you to follow us on Facebook. Uh, Just go on to Facebook, find Me and Kids, and hit like. You can find more than 50 hours of free human trafficking training, including this show. It is archived at exploitedcrimes.com. And I want to take the last minute or two of this. Number one, we would encourage you to support uh, the Orange County Rescue Mission. If you want to make a donation to that, you can just go to the Orange County Rescue Mission Google and find their website. And I'm sure they have Donate right on there. And you also want to... 
thank the people who donate to Million Kids to make this show possible. You can donate by going to millionkids.org and hitting donate. It's the time of year where everybody's hitting you up to make a donation, and I know how tough that is. I get about 30 of them a day, every day, and it's hard to know who to support and what. But I want you to know the people who send money to Million Kids and support our work. You are helping victims out on the street, and you are helping us to educate the world. We appreciate you. We hope you have a happy holiday. Samantha, thank you for joining us uh, on this uh, very difficult subject. We will see all of you next week. Have a great week, folks. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.